0: The Rural Health Voice, Episode 16, Mental Health. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. May is Mental Health Month. Does your community have a plan to support people with mental illness and substance use disorders? Kevin Martoni, Executive Director of the Technical Assistance Collaborative, joined me to discuss how behavioral health can be addressed at the community level. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice.
1: Thanks for having me, Beth.
0: Now, looking at your website, the Technical Assistance Collaborative is a nonprofit organization working to implement. Policies and practices that empower people to live healthy, independent lives in the communities that they choose. How does that play out on a daily basis? What do you actually do?
1: So we're not we're not direct technic, we're not direct service providers. And and really what we do is we provide technical assistance and consultation um, to government agencies or direct service providers on ways that they can improve the lives of people with mental illness or disabilities. And so, what that looks like on a daily basis is, you know, we may have consultants who are helping a state mental health authority, for instance, design new mental health programs that they want to implement in the community. Uh, Or our homeless team may work with uh, local homeless service providers or cities to implement new affordable housing programs for people who are homeless who may be experiencing. Mental illness and things like that, and and we carry this work out. We're 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 a national nonprofit, so we we actually provide technical assistance and consultation in all fifty states. Um, you know, from Massachusetts to Florida to Alaska.
0: All right. I was really struck by the phrase within your mission statement about in the communities they choose. What happens if communities they choose are rural communities? How does that change what you do?
1: Well, you know, it's when we look at mental health services, for instance, across the country, right, people live in urban areas and suburban areas and rural areas. Um, And when we think about um, mental health services in rural areas, you know, that sometimes brings a whole host of challenges with it. Um, Anything from, you know, access to care um, to some of the. The other just important daily things in their lives, these social determinants or physical determinants of health, like access to housing. Um, And so, you know, when we're trying to develop strategies with uh, communities in rural areas, you know, those those strategies or recommendations um, on how to access mental health services may look very different than than they look in a in a large urban center, um, you know, like a city like Boston, for instance.
0: And your website specifically talks about the need for mental health and substance use services that promote community living and person-centered recovery. What do those services look like in rural communities? What would those services be?
1: Sure. You know, we very much uh, feel that most people with mental illnesses and substance use disorders can live in their communities, in their home communities or the communities that they choose, you know, sort of moving beyond, you know, people need to, you know, with mental illness need to live in a in a hospital-based system. It just, that just doesn't really bear out and the outcomes don't support that. And so, you know, if a person, you know, if they've grown up in a rural community their whole life, whether it's in farm country or or other rural communities and they want to live there, access to mental health services may be, you know having a long ride to see, you know, your your mental health provider or your primary care provider who may be delivering services, Um, or it may be receiving mental health care through Telehealth type services, and I know when I was looking at some of the things that you do with the Rural Health Association, you know, when you think about telehealth, well, the same applies for behavioral health care in, in terms of getting people access to telehealth services to address their mental health needs. Um, and so, some of the things that we may do in a rural community, for instance, you know, maybe going to work with the providers who are sort of in a designated area and trying to make sure that they can promote as much access to care as possible. Historically, that's been very fragmented care. Um, You know, what we may do in in areas is try to bring together, you know, the primary health care provider and the behavioral health care provider to provide integrated care um, or co-located care so that people who are maybe having to drive two or three hours for an appointment don't have to drive to see their primary care doctor on one day and the mental health care provider on another day. That's just not practical when people have to have long drives, they have to work. Uh, Maybe they don't even have access to transportation. So what we really want to try to do is streamline that access to care for people uh, who may also have mental health needs in addition to their general primary care needs. Mm
0: -hmm. And you touched on this a little bit, but dig a little deeper. What are some of the challenges to both providing and receiving those services in rural areas?
1: Well, you know, from from a receiving standpoint, um, a lot of times it's uh, just the the general access. You know, is there is there a mental health provider within a reasonable distance? Um, you know, when you look in rural or even frontier areas in this country, uh, those providers may be several hours away, and, and maybe even a, an an, air, an airplane ride away from from access to services. Um, and and then, and then in rural areas, do those services even exist? You know, so is there a mental health provider that covers a large geographic geographic area? So even if you do have transportation, does the service exist in in the community? And, And from the provider perspective, you know, um, uh, you know oftentimes it 's hard to just financially um, make it as a provider in a rural area if you don 't have the population density um, or enough people serve to sort of come through your doors to to just support the final uh, final the finances of your of your organization um, and so when you sort of have those challenges from the provider side and the 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 service recipient side. Um, You know, access to mental health care uh, in in rural America can be very challenging. Um, And it's not that access in urban areas isn't challenging because it comes with its own challenges. You know, but just that general access and availability of services in rural areas, it can be very hard for folks. Uh, And then when you layer on top of that um, some of these other challenges, well, for instance, you know, do people have access to health insurance coverage? Um, Is there even a workforce available to provide the services to people who live in rural areas. You know, those are additional challenges. So it's the access and availability piece is sort of compounded by these other issues that make it really hard for people to receive services.
0: And what options are currently available to address those challenges?
1: Well, you know, I think one of the things that you hear, I think you hear this in general healthcare um, is access to telehealth services. Um, and, you know, in many communities across the country, um, you know, they are using telehealth services and that has its own challenges too. Um, but that is a mechanism that can be very effective for folks, um, from, you know, from actually providing treatment to individuals, um, but also providing consultation-type services to professionals. So if you're a primary care doctor in a rural area um, and you have a patient who has, you know, a mental illness or a substance use disorder, and maybe you don't have that level of expertise, telehealth services can be used for consultation so that you have a better picture of, of, of how to work with that patient to meet their, their behavioral health needs.
0: And because I have to bang this drum nonstop, you can't have telehealth without broadband.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I think some of the area, like we've seen, even in certain in certain states, you know, we we were doing some work in Alaska a couple of years ago, you know, right? You have folks who are very, very remote you know, out in frontier areas, you know, how can you sort of get that access to broadband? You know, can you even get folks to come to some some local, um, you know, sites where they can at least get broadband too? And even that is a challenge in terms of getting somebody, you know, from point A to point B where there is broadband. Uh, it is it is a, definitely a challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a little bit that sometimes it's hard for a behavioral health provider, or a mental health provider to... Be placed in a rural community just for terms of finances. Can you talk a little bit more about how that works and, and what can be done to maybe encourage people to live in rural areas?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, the financing is really challenging for providers across the country. Um, you know, they, uh, they rely on a combination of funding, which, which may be Medicaid funding. It may be some state or county funding. Um, it may be, you know, federal funding from SAMHSA. Um, and trying to cobble those resources together can be a real challenge. Um, you know, mental health care um, historically um, it, it is not at the top of the list when it comes to funding, and um, and particularly when we go through recessions or tough economic um, uh, tough economic times, um, that's when you tend to see bigger cuts to mental health services, and those, those provider agencies really struggle. Um, and as states had, have increasingly grown to rely on Medicaid as a, as a funding source, that's great. Um, Medicaid can cover a range of services for folks, but at the same time, what they've done is they've, they've cut back on some of their state dollars that are into services, um, which can create some gaps and in, in fragmentation in care. Um, a lot of providers will rely on um, fundraising um, to make it work. Um, what's, what's, I think important though, and a credit to the, the nonprofit provider base in rural areas is they, they're mission oriented. These are folks who are really committed to the mission. And so they, they can make it work on the margins, um, you know, but it, but it is hard.
0: Bake sales for docs is probably not the, uh, mental health policy we want to go forward with. So certainly funding is an issue. What do you think the nation could do to better address mental health and rural communities? Are there policies and practices you would like to see? Well, I think
1: right at the top, it's really trying to make sure that there's political will and leadership in states and communities across the country. You know, um, people in the in the legislative and executive branches need to be made aware and educated on the importance of mental illness and the importance of access to care. Um, without that, that's when we see those sort of negative trickle-down effects where we we see f- cuts in funding. So that political will and leadership is really important to drive home um, in communities across the, con- ac- across the country. You know, when you think about the stats that um, the prevalence of mental illness and substance use disorders where, you know, one in five adults will, will have mental illness, um, you know, and similarly, you know, um, you know, a significant number of people have substance use disorders, and the, the co-occurrence of, of substance use disorders and mental illnesses together is significant. You know, in a nutshell, a lot of people in rural communities and urban communities alike experience behavioral health disorders. And to the extent that we can make that a public health issue with our political uh, leaders and our policymakers uh, in, in states and communities across the country, that is a big help but then we sort of need to sort of then go into the weeds a little bit and make sure we're addressing those things that I talked about, like access to coverage. You know, what does that mean? What does it look like? Um, How do we access um, uh, or how do we increase uh, insurance coverage for individuals? You know, so many people in rural communities um, are uninsured or underinsured. And, you know, when you, when you lack that coverage, that, only magnifies um, the challenges in terms of accessing mental health care. Um, it's, a, it's such a significant issue, particularly in rural areas, when, when folks don't have that. And when you look at the funding in systems, particularly in, in larger, more rural communities, um, if If the funding that's coming from the state is not tied to Medicaid, you know, so if you're not receiving Medicaid coverage, um, and maybe you're uninsured, but nevertheless you still need access to mental health services, there's very little funding, if any, in rural communities to meet the needs of those folks who are uninsured or underinsured, and that's that's a huge gap for folks. And and I think another thing is really trying to address some of the workforce issues. You know, can you take funding? And try to come up with innovative ways to create better access or sustain a workforce in your community. You know, a lot of these centers, they might be mission-oriented, but at the end of the day, you know, the employees that are providing the services, the social workers, the psychiatrists and things like that, um, they need to earn a living too. And if the money's not there, and then you compound that with just the challenges and the burnout associated with delivering mental health care, there's such significant shortages in turnover and turnover in workforce that it's hard to keep a, a consistent workforce uh, out there for people in rural communities. And I think another thing that's, it's indirectly related to getting people's services, uh, behavioral health services is really looking at this social determinants piece that I mentioned earlier. So, you know, it's not to minimize the, 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 the effects or challenges of, of having a mental illness, for instance, because that can be very devastating for folks when you look at depression and hospitalization and things like that. And, and suicide rates, for instance, um, it's those other things that are really important to people, having access to affordable housing. Um, housing issues are a challenge anywhere in the country, um, and, but particularly in rural areas, um, particularly if you're poor you know, having access to a higher income or or, or or higher income jobs, you know, having access to jobs. And so when people don't have access to those sort of basic social determinants of health, their mental health care suffers, you know, so you'll, you have to look at it beyond just access to behavioral health care, but how can you address these other social determinants, which will, which will indirectly improve pa- people's mental, overall mental uh, well-being.
0: And you mentioned the need for Having the political will to push some of these policies forward, how do, how do we generate that? How do we get that political will going?
1: You know, most most states have uh, provider associations or grassroots advocacy groups and, you know, local rural communities, whether it's providers or family groups, should really become part of the, that voice, that messaging um, that goes into the, the elected officials in, in the community or at the state level. They need to hear those voices um, and and, you know sometimes in urban communities, that might be a little bit easier to pull off um, and a little bit easier to sort of get that message into, you know, the the elected officials. And in rural communities, that's a little harder. And I think it's important for, you know, the the local grassroots efforts and the more of the statewide grassroots efforts to really come together to create that message so that when when you're going to, when when elected officials are hearing about behavioral health care and hearing about Financing and Medicaid funding and all of these things that they need to hear about. They're also hearing it specific to the rural mental health voice, um, because just so many of those challenges are just so unique. And again, like you know, whether it's in farm country, um, you know, or or other types of rural areas, you know, it's it's very different from urban. And you know, going to a, a mental health center in an urban environment is one thing, but when that doesn't exist in a rural community. The, the solutions or interventions that are created have to, be, have to be specific to rural
0: areas. I'm going to put you at the spot a little bit here. Okay. Recently, the Surgeon General addressed the National Rural Health Association's Policy Institute, and he said that people in rural areas need to look to each other to identify best practices and determine what works locally. And I'm quoting here, because no one in rural cares what someone in boston massachusetts has to say (laughs) you are in boston yes i am
1: in boston yeah uh and it's right yeah
0: i should just so why do your recommendations make sense in rural areas
1: well you know um I, i work in boston my job's in boston um you know, I spent a lot of time doing work in rural, rural areas. Um, I'm on the board for the National Association for Rural Mental Health. And, um, you know, I get the chance to sort of work in some of these communities. And I, I try to go to Alaska whenever I can. Um, you know, it's, 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 I think, when I look at the types of interventions that work for folks out there, you know, there are certainly evidence-based practices that are out there. And, and communities and people who are in the behavioral health field sort of, they know them, you know, sort of community treatment or supported employment services or access to medication-assisted treatment, you know, for instance, are, 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 are known evidence-based practices that can work. The trick then is trying to tailor those practices um, while still trying to meet a fidelity standard um, to rural, rural needs. You know, so if you're going to deliver, you know, in-home based treatment services in rural Alaska, um, you know, that is going to look different than uh, mobile sort of community treatment team practices in uh, Boston or New York or Los Angeles, for instance. And so that rural voice and shaping that is critical. But nevertheless, it's trying to take those principles and the research that supports those best practices and and making it local to to the local needs that are out there. And, you know, so when when we're sort of sitting here in Boston, sort of, uh, you know, providing technical assistance. Whenever we go out to communities, you know, it's really a partnership and it's really trying to bring together, you know, what are the best practices that we're seeing across the country? You know, so if we go work in Bethel, Alaska, for instance, and we're trying to help them think about rural Particularly, even frontier or tribal interventions at that point. You know what are the lessons that we've seen from other rural communities across the country, not the lessons that are seen in Boston or New York or Los Angeles. Um, and it is a very nuanced approach, but but uh, you know it, it, it can certainly work.
0: Great. What resources are available for people of rural communities who are working to address the issue on a local level? Any websites or other sources of information you would encourage people to check out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one—it's probably one that's known to you and maybe some of your some of your your listeners—is the Rural Health Information Hub. Um, they have specific information there that links to mental health and substance use disorders as well. And I've I've always found that resource uh, very helpful. Um, there's also um, Witchy, um, which is the Western in, uh, Western Interstate Compact on in Higher Education, which. They, they, they really have, it's more more geared towards the Western states, but obviously there's a lot of rural and frontier territory out there. And they have a lot of information specific to be- behavioral health care best practices and, and workforce issues and how to address workforce issues. And I've always found that group very helpful. And then when you look at some of the federal websites, you know, there are there's an increasing, uh, I think, recognition of some of the specific needs in rural uh, America specific to behavioral health care. So you know, even if you go to SAMHSA's website or HRSA um, or the USDA, you can find resources that are specific to behavioral health, addressing behavioral health in rural America.
0: Great. And we'll make sure we get all those sites in the show notes so people can reference those. Yeah. If someone were concerned about improving policies and practices in their small town, what would you recommend that they do? What action steps could that person take? well I think
1: I think one of the first steps is really you know when you when you're trying to address these issues you have to look at them um, I sort of describe it horizontally and vertically right so horizontally at the level that you're at so if you're in a local community and you you have some unmet mental health needs or unmet housing needs or things like that, you know, you work at the local level with your elected officials, you know, do your elected officials have money that goes to support mental health care or, or other interventions? Um, and then, you know, vertically, you know, I look at it as, well, how can, you know, and, and every state, every state and, and community is different, right? They're structured differently and how resources are allocated. They're very, very different. Every state's different, um, you know, so vertically, you know, well, then do you have that conversation with elected officials at the county level? Um, and keep going up at the state level. Um, and, you know, in, in the, in the, it's also important to talk, talk to those grassroots organizations, because, you know, if you have a state um, a state chapter for the for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, for instance, right, or a state chapter for Mental Health America. Those folks will have roots deep into the community. And if you look at those state chapters, and every state has a state National Alliance on Mental Illness chapter, for instance, if you look at that state level chapter, you know you can you can work with them to pin it down to the local level in your community to help you know, even just understand what resources are available in your community, because many people don't even know that. And I think those are really good first first steps um, in terms of working, you know, working to address the issues locally.
0: And if you could do anything, and we don't have to limit this to mental health, if you could do anything, what would you do to improve healthcare in rural America?
1: Well, I think probably the at a very basic level, um, it would be, improving the availability of behavioral health services, whether that's site-based or telehealth services, okay, as sort of a first stop. But in order to do that, I think you have to address the insurance coverage problem in in rural America. People need uh, better access to health insurance coverage and better access to health insurance coverage that covers mental health benefits um, and at parity with other uh, medical benefits. I think that's critically important, and, and it's it's it can't be overstated in, in rural America. Along with that, you also have to have additional funding. Whether now and again, it depends on the the, the, the state structure. Whether that funding comes from the state mental health authority, for instance or maybe the County Behavioral Health Authority, for instance, or even at the town or city level. But there has to be increased funding that also can can leverage with that health insurance coverage to make sure that those, those services are available. Because if you don't have that funding, those services won't be available in communities. And I think uh, an, two more things. One thing would be addressing those workforce shortages. We have to find better ways to train a workforce, um, recruit them into communities and rural communities. It's really, really difficult to have folks who go on for PhDs or MDs to come work in rural communities, um, and then to retain them in, in their jobs. How do we keep them, keep them in their jobs? Um, and a lot of that goes to funding and other incentives uh, to keep them. And the last thing is for us to not lose sight of, you know, when we're thinking about mental health care, it's not just about the treatment services, but it's addressing those other social determinants of health. How can we make sure that people with mental illness who, who typically, and particularly folks with serious and persistent mental illness, they tend to be poor and they tend to be unemployed. How can we make sure in their communities that they have access to affordable housing, that they have access to jobs? Um, those are critically important in helping improve a person's mental well-being.
0: Great. Well, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Beth. That's Kevin Martoni from TAC, advocating for health insurance that covers mental health services and increased funding to assure services are available in every community. Mr. Martoni mentioned the need for telehealth to support behavioral health services. Don't forget to download the Test It app to help map out broadband connectivity in our rural communities. For details, go back and listen to episode 15. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. It is sponsored by the Virginia State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.